Welcome to Subjectively Correct Sports with David Henderson and Anthony Montague. Hey, David. Hey, Anthony. Thanks. I'm happy. I'm really happy right now. <laughs> I know you are. Hold, hold off on the happiness for a second. Okay. So we were having dinner tonight. Yeah. And um, the hypothetical came up. Sure. From my brain to your ears. Uh-huh. If you could work a job that took you away from your family, okay, and you couldn't, like, FaceTime, and let's say, like, it's something like you're undercover somewhere, right? You're doing some CIA job, okay? Can't have really any contact with people you know and love, just the people who are on the mission with you and those that you're taking down. Oh, this sounds <laughs> interesting. Okay. Okay. You had that kind of job. The danger aside, you're going to be perfectly fine. You're just sitting in a truck somewhere. You're good. Oh. Okay. I was hoping to be like the, the Liam Neeson, <laughs> Jason Bourne type thing. No, you're the guy who gives the information to them. That fits better for me. <laughs> I don't love being typecast, but okay. Yeah. Um, I could kick butt. So you have that kind of job. It's gonna. So you're in, you're in total isolation from your family. Okay. Okay. And your friends and everyone in your world. Um, but at the end of this job, you will have received enough money to never work again during your life. It's not going to be multi-generational wealth. It's going to take care of you and your family while you're alive, the rest of your life. Okay. Okay. What is the maximum amount of job, time you would agree to work such job with knowing that you will have that financial freedom afterwards? So we're talking about financial freedom and financial security and freedom for the rest of my life and me and my kids are taken care of? You're taken care of. You're... You're able to raise your kids until adulthood for them. And then my wife and, and I retire you and comfortably. Your wife, you retire comfortably. You can go on some vacations. I mean, you're not going to be buying mansions, but you're going to be set. You wouldn't have to work again if you didn't want to, and you'd be happy But I could also con- financially. But I could also continue working and even make more of that paper. You could. I could, get, uh, uh, I could take care of my chicken. Would you? I mean, maybe. Maybe. Super part-time. Okay. okay uh, so the most amount of time I... I yeah. Okay. So, like, I, I think everyone would say, well, I'm not going to work 10 years, right? Because you miss out, especially if you have kids, you're going to miss out on too much. Right? Yeah. If, if I did that for 10 years, I'd come home yeah. and my oldest would be off to college already. Yeah. So, I think around the most I'd be willing to do that, I was thinking two years at first, but I'd be willing to do that for three years. Three years. Three years. That meant that I and my family had financial security and stability for the rest of my life. Absolutely three years, zero contact with my family. And I think my wife would be okay with that too. So it would mean... What, it would if, mean, what if she didn't get to know? You were just... You were like abducted in the middle of the night. Oh gosh. So well, she doesn't think you left. She thinks you were abducted. Well, then that changes everything. Because then I would come <laughs> home and like... Like Jim would be in my house. It'd no, be no, like no, a no. But she'd situation. be waiting for you. Well, how would you, I don't know that. Like she, she could, would. The CIA would drop her hints every once in a while that you were still alive. Okay. Okay. I, I think you I, keep throwing <laughs> curveballs into this, making no, it just, crazy. Okay, normal. You can talk to your wife about it. She knows what's going to happen. She doesn't know what you're doing, but she knows. But she knows. She knows you're going to be okay. You're going to come back. Yeah, I I think three years. Three years. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking somewhere. One to three, I'm one to two probably for me. Like five years feels like way too long. A month, definitely. A year, yes. Uh, after a year, I start thinking, hmm, I don't know. Like, I don't mind going to work. Like, work's good a lot of the time. Is it worth it to give up a year just so I don't have to do that? Hmm. I don't know. But, uh, 
But but yeah. you, you and I would be trading very different salaries too. Okay, that's true. <laughs> that factors into Fair my decision point. making a little bit. Fair point. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna you're gonna be like maybe you're not gonna be Italian job rich, but you're gonna be like uh, I, like 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 worked worked in the in the union like fire plant in the Midwest. There's a fire plant, right? You worked for like Ford in the '60s and '70s, I'm and sorry. like you retired. Wait, 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 wait! Stop everything. <laughs> yeah, I want to return to this idea of a fire plant. Yeah, the fire. You know the plant where there's like occasionally a fire spouts out of something every once in a while. Are you talking about power plants? Well, like I mean, plants that create energy. Like a fire, a fire plant, David, uh-huh. is is a comprehensive term. It, okay. Sure, it could be a power plant. Sure, okay. but you're talking about any industrial type. Edifice. Anything with stacks and an occasional flame comes out of it. Okay, because when you said that's fi- the technical term for those. The first thing the I thought of when you plant. said fire plant was Mario. Mario <laughs> being yes. able to fire people. You with have Mario. to eat. Okay, Mario is definitely like a gateway drug, right? Like it's it's the thing that gets you to want to try drugs. It's like oh, eat the plant, then you can like shoot fireballs from your body. And it's not just a plant. You eat a mushroom, <laughs> and then you feel bigger and oh. stronger. <laughs> And eat the mushroom and look at all the little people. I stomp on the person and I stomp on the person. There's, I bet you that whole game came from someone's mind where they were just, they were just completely, uh, 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 what, what's, what's the, they were just, they had, they were completely wasted, high, whatever, and they like were stomping turtles, <laughs> eating mushrooms, jumping into like holes in the ground, popping up somewhere else. I imagine they try to like jump in their toilet and then imagine themselves like in another room all of a sudden, but they just blacked out for that 10 seconds. And it's, and it's all about like, they're after the girl, right? And they're like significantly shorter than the girl. And, <laughs> and, uh, the girl has like a real hulky boyfriend who's actually like, uh, Koopa or Bowser, not Koopa, Bowser and, uh, Bowser in real life. He's like fine. He's like a Roy right he's like mm, and, and like bigger and like but like he's like he, oh. secretly you know he's not the right guy for her for peach anyways all comes from this guy's like crazy night high on mushrooms and uh and then you get a video game classic that has endured 30 plus years generations and generations generations much like shout the out to Superman uh adam henderson you have material for your next nintendo podcast you're welcome uh, I have nothing else to say about that. We've just spent seven minutes talking about that stuff. I'm glad we, before the podcast, we said, let's keep this one short. Yeah. Bloop, bloop, bloop. What was <laughs> that's, that? that's the sound effect to move into the next thing. You're going to do the sound effects this time? It'd be, make things easier for me. I don't know if you noticed, but in the last one, if you stayed to the end, you caught Anthony saying, sound effect. Oh. Because whenever he wanted me to add in the sound effect, the Mario jump sound effect, <laughs> he would just say sound effect. But he never just said sound effect. He said it like this. Sound effect. Right. So just just in case I didn't understand what he meant, if he just said sound effect. So that made a little appearance at the end of the pod last week. That was fun. I was trying to do a coin jump. Good job. You bonk your head on the coin and it pops out of the box. Say it again. Also, like he desperately needs money because he's got the munchies now. So he takes his piggy banks and headbutts it open. Well, he he also (laughs) needs coins to get more mushrooms. Yes. Right. Not the best situation. No. I wonder how many kids shows come out of stuff like that too. 
like Teletubbies. Like there's probably some weird sick backstory to Teletubbies, yeah. right? Like I, there's a baby trapped in an orb floating in the sky. Yeah, we're definitely better off not knowing. Don't get me started on the Wiggles. I don't know the Wiggles. Oh, you're lucky. Okay. Scarred for life with the Wiggles. Go, Did Captain, you watch them? Go. Or did your kids watch Go, them? Captain, go. No one knows this. Go, Captain Feather Sword, ahoy. So this guy named Captain Feather Sword would tickle dancing? people with his feather sword. Okay. And it was weird. Now, I think I think little brother Adam, who you just mentioned, yeah. uh, I think he was young enough that that would be on in our house every once in a while. Okay. So we call him Mr. Wiggles? You just call him my brother Mr. Wiggles? <laughs> yeah. Let's not. <laughs> I liked um, the Sesame Street... Um, Mister, what is the, where is the, um, no, like the guy that would come in, Elmo would talk to him. It's oh, Mr. Noodle. Mr. Noodle. <laughs> Mr. Noodle. Mr. Noodle's brother, Mr. Noodle. Oh, that's a great. <laughs> oh, look, it's Mr. Brother. Yeah. <laughs> I love Elmo. Uh, I have, a, who is it? There's someone, oh, there's someone that I go to church with, and she thinks I'm the coolest. What? Because I can, yeah, I know, because I can do... <laughs> Because I can do an Elmo voice. Oh, nice. Yeah. And we were in the car driving somewhere, and I just happened to bust out a little Elmo. And she yeah. was like, you are my favorite person ever. And I was like, cool. That's all it takes? I can make Donald Duck sounds. I can't make words with Donald Duck, but I can make Donald Duck sounds. The guy who did Donald Duck's voice back in the old Disney cartoons yeah. can't make words. Did he <laughs> I get... don't understand Donald Duck. Did he ruin his voice box? I is his throat question. just shredded? That's a good question. A... <laughs> that kind of thing. I can't, But I can't form words. I hear you. It's all out of the side of my mouth. See, I, I have a limited fake Winnie the Pooh that's pretty good. Like, but it only comes out oh, every once in a while, right? It's like, <laughs> oh, bother. Yeah. Christopher Have you ever read actual so Winnie the Pooh? In like in the book, Winnie the Pooh? Oh, Anthony. Have you, that's very good. <laughs> Have you ever read the, the book, Winnie the Pooh? No. We like, got like the original classic? We, yeah, we bought it for, for Christmas. Oh, Christopher And we Morgan. read like the first chapter. And, uh, and it's the author like reading the book to a kid. Yeah, the kid's his son. And so... But it's all weird because it's like he's when he's instead of saying when Pooh talked to Christopher Robin, he said talk to you. Oh. And so he's telling the story to Christopher Robin, so you don't see Christopher Robin's name that much. It's you. Weird, huh? And then Christopher Robin will will interject at times, and then it's me for Christopher Robin. So so it's almost like the narrator is speaking in second person. Yeah. But the second person listener of the narration chimes in sometimes in the first person yes fascinating but that was only like one chapter and then it was just normal stuff just straight narration yeah i get that i like that for uh to kind of introduce exactly what's going on for the story i like that that's cool mm-hmm. okay i think we've stalled enough it's been 11 minutes david can we talk about buzzer gate yeah i'm down with that let's do it buzzer gate yep so a buzzer is an electronic device that buzzes if you're over the age of 40 you're thinking of pagers if you're under the age of 40, you're thinking about a cell phone. And our parents are probably thinking about, I don't know, like maybe one of those exercise machines where you put a you put a quarter in it and it has that rubber band that vibrates your body. Yeah. That rubs you back and forth, you know what I'm talking about? Maybe that's what they're thinking about. I think those went out of style in like the 50s. Oh. I don't know. Maybe before our parents' time? Uh so I liked. There's really nothing new since last. I mean, the the new allegation this week is that maybe some players were on the Astros were wearing electronic devices like under a band aid or something like that, or a band aid itself that buzzed. 
and it indicated what pitch might be coming, right? So the same thing as before where they were able to use technology in the stadium to know what pitch might be coming based on the signs that then would then be relayed not via low-tech trash can, but high-tech buzzer. Do you remember the TV show Doug? Something like that, right? <laughs> Skeeter. Uh, remember the song "Banging on a Trash Can"? Yes. I well, think... I didn't remember until he told. Banging on a trash can. I think of that every time this comes up. But the idea a of the idea of doing. The, the buzzers on the jerseys and stuff like that. And people are saying that when Altuve hit the game-winning home run in Game 6 at home yeah. against the uh, the Yankees, was it? I don't remember. In the I think ALCS. So. Yeah. And uh, he's coming around third base. He's telling him, don't take off my jersey. Don't take, don't off, take jersey. off my jersey. Yeah. He's and holding he, it, right? And then he goes in the dugout to change. Immediately runs away. And then he comes back, I think, wearing the same clothes. Just threw on the, the shirt, the, the championship shirt. Okay. He comes back out, and someone asks him, like, so why didn't you want to have your shirt taken off? It's like, oh, my wife, the last time it happened, she didn't appreciate it and didn't want it. Mm. You know, and I'm kind of a shy guy. It's like, <laughs> all right, sure. And then you look at his Instagram, though. Tons of pictures of him shirtless. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Huh. Huh. <laughs> it's, I don't know. But I mean, they're, these they're... are all allegations. There's no, at least as far as I know, no one has come forth with actual hard evidence of it happening, and no player alleged to have done it has admitted to it right well the, the players were given immunity so that they would talk right yeah and then poor carlos beltran who was a player during that situation right may, may have fessed up some things thinking he'd get immunity but technically you're a manager a manager now carlos yeah. beltran so let's get rid of you i don't know Th- this whole thing is upsetting to me and now that now play you mentioned that there was a a, a player who had a quote and uh we think it's like the prevailing uh feelings of the rest of the league because I mean, most people were saying that, hey, let's not... I mean, the, the MLB came right out and said, hey, let's not talk about this. Guys, to, please don't talk about this. And I thought maybe it was because there was more ongoing uh, investigations. The report on the Red Sox still hasn't come out yet, right? Right. And who knows what's going to come out? Because the Red Sox have already been accused of using Apple Watches. What else could they have been doing? Yeah. So, so this... Go ahead. Yeah. So Mike Clevenger, pitcher for the the... Cleveland Indians. So I think a lot of us have been focused on, like, you know, Cody Bellinger comes out and says, hey, if that's true, like, they should be stripped of their their rings. And a lot of other players have come out and said that as well. If this is true, those players need to be, um, there needs to be some form of discipline on the players, not necessarily banning games, but vacating the World Series, including giving back the World Series rings, right? Right. Especially, I mean, right now, the players got away with zero punishment. Yeah. Um, I, other than maybe a tarnished reputation, but I mean that you're still going to get paid, right? Um, but Mike Clevenger, I kind of I really like this quote of his because um, it focuses on, not necessarily on on the actual players and what should happen to them, although he does talk about that some, but on this this uh, group of players that we don't think about that much, right? And how this could uh, could have affected them. And he's um, he's giving a quote actually as he's in like a tattoo parlor, and he's uh, he's just talking to the camera. I'll read the quote. I'll edit some of it, but uh, it, it goes like this. He says, "Don't get me wrong. That lineup. That's another part that that makes me upset. Is that lineup's talented enough that if they just had the due diligence to do regular baseball stuff, pick pick up what I'm tipping, do it whatever, they do damage." You have buddies that, if they knew what was coming, would be perennial all-stars in the big leagues, dude. 
<laughs> there's a lot lot more that the public doesn't see because you don't see the money being placed. You don't see guys going up and down. You're not, And what he's talking about there is going up to the big leagues, going back down to the minor leagues. You're not seeing those guys literally working their butts off to finally get a glimpse of that, meaning to finally make it to Major League Baseball. Literally living off their parents, like taking two different jobs in the offseason, not having to lift at 2 a.m., bro, I've been there. I've been there. I've had to do that. I've had to live with my mom till I got to the big leagues. And now you're telling me that someone could have potentially shortened my career or sent me back down uh, to, to make me figure stuff out because they knew that I was throwing what I was throwing when I was in their park. So many guys are only there trying to figure out how I can stay here. What will make me stay here? So, so what he's saying is there's pitchers that come up, they get called up for, to the big leagues, and maybe their first career Major League Baseball performance, they're pitching in the Astros park, and the Astros know what they're throwing. They pick up the signs, they relay it, and that pitcher gets shelled, right? Maybe he has just a horrible outing because of that. And so he gets sent back down to the minors. His confidence is crushed. He never makes it back up. He never gets the big payday that so many of them hope for. He never gets the glory of having a major league career because of one horrible outing. Um, That's what he's talking about. And then he says, but to each their own. And I'm not going to sit here and just be quiet about it like some blatantly someone blatantly taking millions of dollars and you know food off my table let alone people's other people's tables uh so he's saying you know it wasn't he basically saying it's not a bubble that they did there's not a it's not a vacuum right their actions their alleged actions uh could have affected many other people specifically the opposing players who uh were disadvantaged i don't think any of these um, guys, guys <laughs> should be able to look us in the eye. They should feel ashamed. You want to protect the next guy next to you. You want to protect the sanctity of baseball. It's not giving a five million dollar fine, you know, discipline to a one billion dollar corporation while they're still walking around with the same ring on their finger in the same uniform, the same city, and the same contract. What's really going to change? And he's right. We talked about that. A five million dollar fine to the corporation that is the Houston Astros is is a drop in the bucket it's it's really not a big deal and everyone involved is keeping their rings their world series rings so ultimately i mean the manager and gm and and now potentially two managers of other team well two managers of other teams have lost their jobs as well in connection with this so there are a few people who have got hit pretty hard but for the most part those perpetrating this scheme or alleged scheme uh, didn't really make out too bad. No, in fact, completely worth it. 100% worth it. The At least, especially for these two years, all the praise that they got, all the contracts they're getting, the endorsements and stuff like that. Jose Altuve is five-hour energy guy, right? <laughs> There's all sorts of endorsements and money these guys are making, but who did they cheat to get there, right? Yeah. And that's what that's what this pitcher is saying. It's the, uh, it's the pitcher we'll never hear about because he gave up eight runs the one time he played the Astros. Right, and that's so unfair. And I, th- I think, uh, to Clevenger's point, I think of uh, Clayton Kershaw and how we perceive him as being like a choker, couldn't win the big one, all this stuff. Well, the year that they were, they were best position to win, the year they were best position to win, the one bad performance that Clayton Kershaw had was in Houston in against Houston. the Astros. Yeah. He, so. I think he gave up one earned run in game one. He came in and gave seven, gave seven on short rest. 
and was lights out. His one bad game, I believe it was game five in Houston, and he gave up eight runs. Completely different than his performance in in L.A. Um, yeah, it's just... It's really unfortunate that we were potentially cheated out of... Um, I don't know. Like, my memories of that are now tainted. Like, I... Cause I the Astros may have won fair and square. And maybe they didn't even use any of, of this technology in, in the World Series, right? Maybe they, they were being extra cautious and didn't do it, and, and they won off their own merit. But but ev- no one's going to think that, right? No, like, no I, can't, I can't think that. And, and even if they only use it for part of the postseason, well, would they have been there anyways? Because they went to seven games with the Yankees, right? And the Yankees won all their home games, I think is what it was, and Houston won all theirs. So, and the thing that flips that on its head now is maybe the block was getting too hot, and yeah. they stopped cheating, right? And what do the, the what do the Nationals do? The Nationals win every game in Houston, <laughs> yes. right? So completely flip, flipping everything on its head, mm-hmm. right? But either way, it's very clear because of the discipline, the league found enough evidence to go forward and punish a team for cheating, mm-hmm. and they're affecting the league. They're affecting major results at the highest level of the game, and they are affecting people's ability to do the thing that they want to do and the thing that they want to love. That is so messed up, and the players are going to get away with it. The organization basically has gotten away with it with a small fine. That's only one, uh, like almost a tenth, less than a, it's less than a tenth of what they earned on their World Series win, right? So if you yeah. look at it that way, they were punished for almost nothing. It was almost like a small investment that they're putting into it, right? Mm-hmm. Would you pay $5 million to earn $55 million? Of course you would. That's basically what the Astros did because it's reported that they uh, they can attribute $60, uh, $60 million Same. in yeah. revenue just from the World Series victory. My gosh, would you you would pay $30, 000, $30 million to make uh, $60, uh, $60 million, You know what I mean? Yeah. They paid five to make sixty. So there's really no punishment here. A couple of guys lost their jobs, and I feel bad. But if they were allowing this to happen, then they don't deserve their jobs anyway, and they should be punished by the league. So anyway, I don't feel bad for any Astro who, who gets labeled as a cheater or anything like that because if they won cheating at all, they deserve all that they, all that they get. Yeah, the only ones I feel bad for maybe are those who didn't go along with it didn't uh knew about like even if they knew about it but but didn't go along with it because that's a tough position to be in it's not like you can just go play for a different team yeah you're under a contract with that team and you may be a borderline player and if you raise a stink about what's happening in your clubhouse they may send you down to the minors you don't know if you ever come back up might ruin your career right yeah so 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 i do feel bad That's well, blackmail. That, mean, that's holding something like if you go and do this right thing, I will ruin your career. That's blackmail. Yes, if those, if if it was explicitly said or or at least uh, hinted at, then sure. Um, I mean, okay, lawyer guy. Like, <laughs> no, but I'm saying, yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying they, the team has a lot of leverage over yes, its players, right? A ton. And if you're not a star player, no one's going to question sending down, you know, a young player right, who's still developing, sending them back down to the minors. I wonder if the league, the MLBPA, the Players Association, the union, needs to have some sort of anonymous tip line where, like, I can call in and I can say, hey, I'm a major leaguer, this is my number or whatever, this is whatever code that you gave all the major leaguers so you know it's a legitimate phone call. Hey, this is what's going on in this organization. 
they don't have to say what they know about it. They, right. they can just say, okay, we got an anonymous tip from a player, and we're going to investigate. They don't have to say if it was from a different team or for the same team. And then the MOBPA can investigate within their own union and organization. That way they can protect players against false accusations, but then they can mm-hmm. also protect the sanctity of the game, quote-unquote, which is something that's been thrown around a lot. And then uh, MLB at the highest levels doesn't have to get involved until MLBPA does their own investigations. That way they yeah. can feel like they're protecting players around the league instead of just the players that are doing bad things or whatever. Right. right. I don't know. I think that's a simple solution. Yeah, no, I think, you know, there that, are there are whistleblower laws like that in, in other areas, right? Right. And, and so and, but, something and, like and that those, seems to make sense. Right? And those laws, they need to stay anonymous, right? But this Mike Fryers guy put his name on it. Yeah. And there are lots of uh, – Jessica Mendoza from ESPN, who's a great baseball analyst, is a consultant for the Mets. Right. She said he might be too toxic to pick up on a team now. Like, I wouldn't advise the right. Mets to take him because he's a narc and he might be a toxic – um, bullpen. He might be a toxic presence in the uh, in the clubhouse, right. and that to me is interesting. I think I would be attracted to a player who is honest, right? But maybe it was sour grapes, and he was cut from the team or something, and, and yeah. was bitter. But either either way, he exposed something bad that was happening, and the majority of the league seems to agree with him, and that the Astros should have been punished. Yeah, I mean, if anything's true about professional sports, is Whenever they find a person that they don't like, they label them a distraction, right? Uh-huh. You're going to be toxic to the locker room. You're going to be a distraction. So it's better, even if you're talented enough to play, uh, we're, we're not going to let you, or we're not going to give you a shot. Speaking of football. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. UFC 246 or whatever it was. Happy other Conor night. McGregor. Right, that guy. He, uh, he met Chad Ochocinco. Oh, did he? Was he, he at the fight? Yeah, and they're buddies now, I guess. They're friends. Okay. I think it may have just been Conor sure. McGregor Seems being Seems like a, a natural alliance. It was interesting. Two self-promoters. Chad Ochocinco, it was almost like, oh my gosh, it's Conor McGregor. And McGregor just said like, oh yeah, yeah, super cool. It seemed like the kind of guy, <laughs> like, he was letting the freshman come and sit at his table yeah. when he was like a, a senior. Well, how That's much nice. did he even know who he was? Like, how much would he have known Not about Not much, him? I don't think so. But they were talking about how he gave himself the name Ochocinco, and it's like the league fined him for putting Ochocinco on his jersey, so he right. changed his name to Ochocinco. Right. Well, after the fight, he comes up to him and says, hey, I'm going to give you a new name. So he gives him the, he says, in Irish, 85 in Irish, it's like Octong, uh, or whatever it is, right? So okay. now Ocho Cinco is all thrilled that, that Conor McGregor gave him, uh, told him what 85 was in Gaelic. So that's what's going to roll around with. But one of my favorite parts of that of that evening. So, Be careful with that when someone tells you to, uh, here's yeah. your new nickname in oh, a foreign yeah. language. Oh, yeah. Go call yourself. Yeah, I yeah. can get burned by that. Uh, so during that fight, right, they're showing celebrities that were at the game, right? Yeah. They showed Tom Brady at the end. And he got big ovations and all that. All that. They went through a bunch of people, famous people that were there. Even as a loser, he's a winner, David. Right. Yeah, that's the truth. Uh, um, famous, other famous fighters like Jorge Masvidal, uh, super necessary to show him. And then, yeah. nice little inside joke there, by the way. And then it gets to Miles Garrett, defensive end uh, and linebacker for the Cleveland Browns. And it says, okay. oh, yeah, sitting right next to him in a goofy looking hat was Baker Mayfield. They didn't even mention he was there. Oh, really? They didn't even mention he was there. They just moved right on to someone else after That's that. That's hilarious. Oh, man. Poor Baker Mayfield. I don't feel that bad for him, but I thought that was funny. So anyway, Conor McGregor wins. It's good for the sport because he's really interesting. And yeah, UFC is not something we talk about a lot, but Conor McGregor moves the needle, man. People get excited for that. Yeah, I think they need to mix it up. Because um, it's like... They need to mix up the they martial They need to arts. add like, another side. Let's, or, or maybe like... Two more sides. Have like a decagon. Just so, change up something. No, I'm, I'm moving on. I this, feel like the octagon's okay, gone a little stale. Look, David. I'm trying to move forward to protect you. I'm trying okay. to help you here. Uh huh. So we're gonna move on from whatever that was that Do you were decagon. doing. Decagon. Whatever you're doing here, we're gonna move on from that. Okay. Okay. And we're gonna continue to something else. So 
we successfully did it. I'm proud of our. I'm proud of us. We been speaking for about 28 minutes and we haven't mentioned the championship football games that we watched today yeah so just like i said you don't remember anything i say you have the retention of a washing machine when it comes to our podcast and listening to me speak so let me just remind you that i said that welcome to subjectively correct sports let me remind you that i said the titans magic was going to run out Mm -hmm. and that the chiefs offense can score too fast for the titans offense to really do what it needs to do which Mm -hmm. is control the ball stuff like that right and they were going to win boom nailed it i also said that the niners were going to win big Boom, yeah. happened. Packers couldn't stop the run. Most dirt runs for the most yards in yeah. 49ers history. Four touchdowns and second most yards in the history of the NFL playoffs behind only Eric Dickerson, who was an absolute freak back in his time. Yeah. So what a cool when way When they for used the 49ers to actually to run it like all the time. Yes, yes. Well, what's crazy is Jimmy Garoppolo threw like seven passes the whole game <laughs> or something like that. Ryan, Ryan Tannehill's like, how can I get that job? Right. <laughs> like you have that. But I think what's interesting is uh, now you have a team. I feel like the Titans want to be the 49ers. Yeah, like yeah they they're, t- they're 49ers light. Yeah, like that's what we wanted to do. But Kyle Shanahan is so good at designing run plays. In so in good. South America, I, I, when I lived in Peru, I remember like asking for Diet Coke. And they're like, what's that? And huh. I, like, I see it and I point it. They're like, oh, Coca-Cola, light. Like yeah. light, yeah, 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 yeah. That was meant, yeah, yeah. So I was like, I was like, because I was because I'm kind of small. Yeah, that is you know the Chiefs went up on or sorry the Titans went up on the Chiefs early and you're you started to have flashbacks the week before about oh are they gonna run it up like they did on uh, on on the Ravens yeah to start running the ball yeah. yeah and then but it's also the same thing that happened with the Chiefs where you know the Chiefs got down early big time to the to the. Texans, so, you know, at the same time, you're like, oh, Chiefs got them right where they want them, right? I, uh, I am always afraid of the Walrus's offense. Yeah. I will always, always well, be afraid of that offense. Like With an Andy Reid team, and especially with Patrick McCombs, Mc, McHolmes? I made, McGregor, McHolmes, you were thinking of that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that would be a crazy athlete. <laughs> and Patrick, I mean, he's got to be Irish, right? <laughs> he's super Irish. Okay. Patrick Mahomes is the most Irish name I've ever heard. I don't care what he Patrick like. Mahomes is the most Irish. <laughs> we just talked about Connor McGregor. Well, second most. Patrick McPatrick. Oh, I have a buddy. I have a buddy who was, uh, he was Irish, right? Yeah. He kissed the Blarney Stone. Yes, okay. He's straight up Irish, right? His name is Daniel Patrick O'Connor. Wow. And he kissed the Blarney Stone. He has the gift of Blarney. He's got, like, the three interchangeable names. What do you mean? It could be Connor Patrick O'Daniel. Patrick Connor, nope, got that one again. Daniel Connor, oh Patrick, I guess you don't have, always have to put the O in. But yeah, those could be interchangeable. Super Irish. He's now a fireman. Okay, in Boston? No, no. Okay. In in, uh, in Vegas. Nice. Uh, where were we? I think Andy Reid and Patrick yeah. Mahomes are like the Walrus and the Carpenter from Alice in Wonderland. Right, and so an Andy Reid offense combined with a quarterback like the Patrick Wolverson Mahomes, the they're really never out of the game. And you had the feeling of it, well, you more so than me, um, during the 49ers game, that even though the 49ers were up three scores, it was still a little nerve-wracking for you because Aaron Rodgers was playing against them, I'm right? I'm always afraid and, of Aaron Rodgers. And when you have an elite quarterback, you know, we've seen Tom Brady do it so many times. We've seen... Peyton Manning do it. We've seen a bunch of great elite quarterbacks do it. We've seen Aaron Rodgers do We've it. We've seen Aaron Rodgers with do a it. group of misfits, yeah. just like lead three scoring drives in under five minutes to win a game. So I was nervous until like the the clock struck zero. Yeah, 
Um, but I think the two best teams really did win this weekend, the Niners and the Chiefs. I'm excited for that matchup. I hope it's a more of a high-scoring affair, but that probably favors the Chiefs. Um, so I'm a little nervous about that. We're both, you know, rooting for the 49ers over here. Right. David um, with his heart, soul, and pocketbook. I saw that that bet you made earlier. Um, Didn't bet, Mom. Don't worry. <laughs> And uh, but I was I was telling David this earlier that I don't feel like I'm going to be disappointed in any outcome in the Super Bowl. Yeah, like as as an objective football fan, Patrick Mahomes winning one, Andy Reid winning yeah, one, I'm it a, would be super cool. I'm a big Andy Reid fan. Yeah, um, I've I've been hoping he would win a Super Bowl for a long time. It's just unfortunate that now he's back in the Super Bowl. It happens to be against the 49ers, who I also like and would like to see win the Super Bowl. I do feel like both these teams have a pretty wide window. You do, you never know. You're all, you're one injury away from that window closing or, or whatever. But you know, I feel like both these teams are going to be in the hunt for the next few years at least. You add Ravens to that group, um, so I don't know that you know. If the 49ers don't win, I think they got just as good a shot as anyone next year. But uh, I do hope they pull it out. But I, I hope, I hope that if the Chiefs lose, I hope it's not because of clock mismanagement or a, a Patrick Mahomes meltdown. I want those yeah. two to have good games. Right. So you want Andy Reid and Mahomes to show up. I want the offense to look good. I want Mahomes to play well. And I just want the 49ers to be better. Right. So this to me is a much more interesting matchup than Titans-Chiefs was. Because yeah. uh, so the 49ers are built the same way the Titans are. Great defense, elite defense, gets to the quarterback. I guess they get to the quarterback better than just about anybody. Right. Yeah. Um, without blitzing, right? They mm-hmm. they blitz four all the time, and uh, I mean they they rush, they rush four all four, the time, yeah. and they still end up getting to the quarterback. It's great, but the Niners do the things that the Titans don't do, right? They they run the ball efficiently throughout the entire game, and I know what they were doing with Derrick Henry was unprecedented, right? Yeah. But it's just a little bit different with the 49ers because they have wrinkles like the jet sweeps to either side, and they have three or four wide receivers. <sighs> That can do those jet sweep type plays. It's that just a more a huge wrinkle into it, right? It's then you like a more Kelsey. complex, mature running game yes. where you don't need a bruiser. Yes, I mean you, you they have some backs who couldn't bruise, but yeah, no, that, I mean for the most part, yeah, they're they're, and I do like how they use um, uh, Samuels or uh, oh no, I'm starting to think of the Chiefs now. How they sometimes use Watkins, but the Chiefs do that kind of stuff too, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean the Chiefs got a dynamic back. Wait, what is Tyreek Hill? He's a receiver. He's a receiver. Yeah. They, they spread no, they him all lost, over the field. They lost there. Yeah. They spread him all over the field. He plays from the slot a lot. And yeah. But he's yeah he's a freak. But imp- important keys for the Super Bowl matchup: the 49ers' defense is healthy. Yeah. Right. Uh, the 49ers lost Coleman in this game. It looked like a pretty serious arm injury. But Mostert's running the ball great, and Mac Breda is a great running back too. And he's been third string because he got, took an injury earlier in the year. But the 49ers' running game is going to stay solid. Yeah. George Kittle is still a super threat in the middle of that field. And then you have Emmanuel Sanders and Debo Samuel who are going to tear up the outside, do those jet sweeps and stuff like that. I don't think the Chiefs... Yeah, Sherman locking it down. He's up. been playing really well. Right. He got a pick 10 that game, which was cool. Uh, Man. I think the Chiefs probably have the best player and maybe the second best player. Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes? Yeah. I mean, you could say Kittle's up there as well. Mm-hmm. You could say Wagner's up there as well uh, if, we're, if we're including the defense. Do you mean Fred Warner? That's what I meant. Yeah. yeah. Who's yeah. Wagner? You're probably thinking of Bobby Wagner from the Legion of Boom days. <laughs> it probably Seattle was. Seahawks. It probably yeah. was. Yeah, no, Fred Warner. Um, so you Decoy know, Fred Warner. 
sometimes in these big games, like just a remarkable performance can really lift the team. And so if Mahomes just is like bawling out of his mind, like even though the Niners match up, I think really well against the Chiefs and should win the game, um, a lot of this just comes down to how well Mahomes plays. Because if he can extend a play and get a guy, you know, being creative and, and breaking his route, and if he can do that time and time again, they're going to be able to put together long drives, especially on third downs. If they're converting third downs, I think the Chiefs have a really good shot. You know what this 49ers team reminds me of, especially the defense, are the four, uh, the Seahawks defenses that rushed four all the time yeah. and played really basic but really difficult to uh, difficult to beat secondary coverages, right? And their mm-hmm. uh, linebackers are good enough in coverage that they can cover guys. I mean, they can't cover... Uh, I, I don't think they'll be able to cover Kelsey yeah. and uh, Hill and those other receivers for, from the Chiefs very well. But if they're rushing four, they can double-team guys and they can play zone, and I think that'll be difficult for the Chiefs to go. I think the same thing will happen. I think the yeah. 49ers will go up early, but then it'll just see who makes the better adjustments. Can the Chiefs make adjustments that will beat whatever the 49ers are doing, which is those base packages mm-hmm. and rushing only four, and then will the 49ers be able to uh, react to those adjustments the Chiefs make? So yeah. I think that's the most interesting part of this game. I think the 49ers' offense, especially the running game, has a huge advantage over the Chiefs' defense, but I think mm-hmm. if the Chiefs' offense can can uh, outplay the Niners' defense in the second half, that's when it'll be... Uh, that, that, that will determine the game, I think. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, and I hope just for the sake of the game, that the 49ers go up early. Um, because that's the more because the Chiefs can come back quickly, right? right? And so and the game's much... not going to be in doubt until it's over if the 49ers are in in the lead. The the one scenario I hope does not happen just because I want it to be a good game is that the Chiefs go up early because I don't know that this 49ers team is built to to come back from a heavy deficit. Yeah, if they're down 21 in yeah. the first half, that makes me really nervous because I don't trust Jimmy Garoppolo right. to, to sling it. Well, I mean, he can, he, and Kyle Shanahan can develop a scheme for him. Right. But that but is not strength, what they want to their do. Their strength is in running the ball. Absolutely. Yeah. Running the ball and short pass in the middle. There was a stat that I found really interesting that Jimmy Garoppolo has like the second, his, uh, his uh, distance per throw mm-hmm. is like second shortest in the league, but his yards per completion is second most <laughs> in the league, right? So like... They're yakking it in, in San Francisco a ton where they get yards after the catch, right? And that's a lot of that has to do with design and the guys you're getting the ball to. And, okay, that that's mostly design, right? But mm-hmm. every once in a while, Jimmy Garoppolo this season has made really good, difficult throws into tight windows and off of second, third reads and stuff like that. So he has shown, he's shown flashes of that brilliance. I just don't know if they're going to show up at the right time. Yeah, and... I just have to say, let's give it up for for John Lynch. Um, he's been their GM for how long? He was he. When did he start with the Niners? I don't know, but John Elway wishes he was John Lynch right now. <laughs> yeah, he's been he's been with the Niners. Um, let's see, he retired from the Broncos in two thousand eight, and then he ended up with the Niners. Oh. In 2017, okay. So really, I mean, it's been what three seasons? Two and uh, half, yeah, two, and, two seasons really. January. It's it was three years. Well, it's it's four years. No, what year are we in? It's three years right now. Right. Yeah. Next week. Um, so two full seasons. He's he's been the GM of the Niners basically. Yeah. And so he's drafted well, but also made good. Um, I mean, sticking with 
Garoppolo, after a horrific injury, really bad season last year, sticking with Kyle Shanahan after a disappointing season last year. Um, picking up Emmanuel Sanders halfway through the year. Yeah, picking up uh, Sherman. Drafting Debo Samuel. Drafting Nick Bosa, who has been the right. best Bosa in the history of football, <laughs> which is saying something because there have been Bosas in football. Yeah. So, I, you know, he's done a great job. I don't know if he's won an executive of the year. Uh, he did. Oh, he went last year. Mm-hmm. Well, so I guess the writers already recognize it. Maybe this is not a hot take at all. It's no. just, it just, it's the coldest of takes. It's the coldest of takes. But um, I think it's just cool. It's like, I feel like these are the two teams that deserve to be there. And, and not every year you get to say that. Yeah. Like, you get some surprise teams. The Eli Manning Giants teams, both Gross. years they went oh. in. They ended up winning, but like, you Gross. never felt like they were the best team in right. football. And, and what's. So we talked about this. The Patriots, you said, were the worst 10-2 team you've ever seen. Yeah. They were a paper tiger. You were so right on that. The Packers were kind of a weak 13-3 and team as right. well. And the 49ers exposed their weaknesses, especially on the defensive side of the ball, and even their offensive side of the ball, too. And, I mean, Rodgers' magic kept it within a close game, right? Yeah. But, yeah, I really, I'm excited for this matchup. I think the teams match up well. It should be exciting. Or it could be a total dud of a Super Bowl. You just never know what you're going to get, right? But I am excited for the Super Bowl. It's, it's been so fun to have my football team playing meaningful games in January. And now Definitely. they're going to the Super Bowl. I mean, I haven't been this excited about football in a long time. So I'm super excited. My, my head and my heart were struggling a little bit today because I love Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. I, I love Aaron Rodgers. He's one of my favorite football players ever. Currently my favorite football player. So to see him struggle like this, I was like, yeah. Oh, poor guy. <laughs> they to show him sat on the sidelines. And I wanted to like hold him and comfort him. How... how uh... Is it is are they doing this the Pro Bowl next week? Yeah, yeah, Pro Bowl in between the yeah, yeah. We talked about this I think last year or whenever we started doing the podcast, like the worst All Star games, and I think the Pro Bowl is the worst. Yes, like I would rather of any major sport. Yes, I'd rather watch like uh, I'd rather watch like All Star rugby or All Star cricket. (laughs) This like yeah, it's it's not because it's so much not it's not the real game at all, right? Like you can simulate. Uh, a basketball game pretty well. And do it looks they like do flag football now? Do they? No, they should. I don't know. I would be more interested to see them without pads, just playing like flag football, or make them play a different sport. I want, <laughs> I want everybody to play not their position, right? Yeah. So a running back, like if you are a wide receiver, you cannot play wide Linemen receiver. Linemen have to play skill positions and flip it. Yeah. How fun would it be to see like Tyreek Hill? Like playing center. I bet you'd be surprised how um, athletic some of these linemen are. How right? nimble they are. Well, the the, lar- the the heaviest person to ever catch a touchdown pass in the playoffs scored today for the Titans. Right. Something Kelly, right? Yeah, that was that was exciting. I always like it when the big guys get some love. Oh, fat guy touchdowns are the best. Yeah. Fat guy scooping scores. Fat guy interceptions for touchdowns. I love the fat guy touchdowns. You get the fat guy dance and the fat guy spike. One of my favorite things is when the fat guy doesn't know what to do with himself. Mm. So he just is like yelling at other players on his team. <laughs> and they forget to spike it or do something. And yeah. then I love it, man. Fat guy touchdowns are the best touchdowns. <laughs> Except for your team scoring to win a game. But right below your team scoring a touchdown to win a game is fat guy touchdown for me. Love it. Especially after a long run when they're too tired to celebrate. Yeah. Those are the best. They're like, I can't dance around. I have to spend all my time breathing. <laughs> That's why they have the oxygen on the sidelines, David. Makes sense. So we, I feel like we're coming to a close. Before we close it out, so we actually inspired someone to create their own sports podcast. What? So Nathaniel McQuirt, one of our original, original listeners, one of our OG listeners, has created his own podcast oh, called Sports Nathaniel, Status. Nathaniel, my boy. Good yeah. job. So it's called Sports Status. He gave us a little shout out. 
on Great. the show, telling his listeners to come and Everyone listen to us. Everyone subscribe to Nathaniel's podcast. Yeah, and when more information comes out about where you can find it, we'll let you know. But yeah, good for him, dude. That's cool, man. Inspiring, inspiring the next people. generation, David. That's right. That's right. At look, home and abroad. Look what you can do with Shout a, out to Japan. Right. Look what you can do with a mediocre to bad podcast, Anthony. <laughs> you can inspire people around the world. <laughs> and you've got potential. And you've got potential. Uh, Pinocchio jokes.